looks like you're saving the band right now. Club music is good, guys. <laughs> Another we, we mic bought the, bought, the, bought, the, bought the mic. <laughs> Another mic bites the dust. All right. Another we bought. Another we bought. <laughs> we bought a mic. Are you hanging at the edge we... of the mic? Mics are good too. Oh man, I miss improving the. Should we do that, that again? Nope. Nope. That was perfect. Hello. <laughs> that was perfect, guys. Welcome to We Bought a Mic. That was Mike. That was the best one yet. What's the lyric though? <laughs> I am Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And I'm Drew Dietzen. And as you can guess, this week we watched Overlord. Yeah. yeah. As as we all know, Queen hunted Nazi zombies and they were very good at it. They they were the best at it. They were legendary Nazi hunters. Yeah. Fucking epic. If I mean, I really would have rather watched a Cloverfield version of Overlord than the movie that we watched today. But you know what? Here we are. We we laid in the bed that we made. So, as the expression goes, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We'll we'll get to that review uh, shortly. But before then, let's get into a little bit of news. We've got a Breaking Bad movie in the works. Uh, from okay, so this is gonna be a TV movie, guys. Yeah. So this has been there have been talks of a Breaking Bad movie for a long time, and they decided to go with it like five years later, um, and it's gonna be on AMC, a TV movie about. I mean, you know, spoiling the end of Breaking Bad, but it's about Jesse because that's. You know, that's the meat of what the story that was not over when the show ended. Obviously, it's not going to be about Walt, but like, I was at first I was thinking like, "Fuck this," and then I was I was talking to uh, a coworker and he had just finished rewatching, and we were just kind of reminiscing about like almost every episode because that's the thing about Breaking Bad is almost every episode there's a thing that you can be like oh dude the box cutter or something like that mm-hmm. and everyone's just like oh shit man dude and in talking about it particularly the end of it and how jesse just gets away and it's like well what happened i kind of got excited about this even though it's a tv movie five years after the my, fact my immediate reaction to this is fuck this yeah because that jesse finale is so perfect like i just want I just want him to be okay, and we know that in order to have this be an effective, dramatic story, he's not going to be okay. I'm just, I'm wondering, with Vince Gilligan, like, did he just straight run out of ideas, do you think? Yeah, I was, I mean, that's what gave me a little bit of hope on this, is that Vince Gilligan is attached to actually make it as opposed to just somebody else just taking over and doing their own thing. But, yeah, I do really just wish... I want to see Vince do other stuff. I mean, even with Better Call Saul, it's a very different show from uh, Breaking Bad, but it's still the same universe and everything. It's, it's just, like, come up with something else. Make make a fucking Star Wars it, movie or something. Just <laughs> shut, something. Shut up. <laughs> just do something different. If anything, this gives me... Uh, seeing Better, Better Call Saul gives me hope that this is going to be good. Like, I feel like the four seasons of Better Call Saul 
have earned Vince and, and his crew the right to make this movie. Yeah, that's the thing. It's going to be good. Regardless of if we want it to exist, it's going to be a good movie. Like, it's not like he's just going to put out a shitter of a movie. Right. Obviously. It's just, like, I mean, it's easy for us to say, like, come up with something else original, but, like, a home run pitch like Breaking Bad doesn't, like, come around. Mm -hmm. Like, that is the rarest thing. I've read, I have, like, a Dropbox link to the pilot script of Breaking Bad, and it just, like, fucking explodes off of the page. You can just read it, and and it's incredible. And I, it's almost like a movie too. So mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense that like Vince maybe has had this idea for a while. Yeah, and it takes. I feel like Vince is like he does. He produces and he he does everything. But I feel like at his heart, he's a writer. That's what he's done the most of. Yeah. And to come up with f- entirely fresh pitches takes more of a producer mind, more of like a Ryan Murphy type of guy, or like a Kenya Barris or whatever. Someone who can oversee like what it takes to make a show like maybe what if breaking bad was just like a fever dream or like an acid trip or something (laughs) (laughs) what do you guys think this movie is going to be is it is it going to be uh a draw like a like a character drama is it going to be an action movie i think it'll be very similar to the vibe of the uh last season of breaking bad is what i'm guessing maybe not quite as dark but I mean, I think where right. Aaron Paul leaves is on a very dark note. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see like what they're exactly going to do with this character because, like you guys, like I was happy with his ending. I like him just like kind of running away, and then you never you can just he kind of put smile. the pieces together yourself. Yeah. Um, what if it's yeah? I just I don't know. I don't know what the angle is. Obviously, I think you're right that it's gonna be it's gonna feel like later Breaking Bad where it was. Because later Breaking Bad so was... So much orange. Yeah, and it was a little bit slowed down compared to, like, mid-season Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. But then it was also, you know, there were episodes where it was just, like, balls-to-the-wall high-octane. Like, we might see an arc of, like, of the final season where, like, we got um, Ozymandias, which was one of the most intense hours I've ever seen of anything. Uh, and I think that, that in the third act of this movie, it's going to go fucking crazy. So is this is this movie confirmed to be written and directed by Vince Gilligan? I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's actually confirmed. I know Vince is set. He's the article I saw was that he's going to make it, which who knows exactly what that means. That could mean that he's just writing it. Could mean he's just directing it. He's just producing it. We don't exactly know. We mm-hmm. know that he's attached. Yeah, I wonder. They what if they like get the old room back together? That would be awesome. That'd be interesting. I would. <sighs> See, the thing is, the one bad thing about this being just after the end of Breaking Bad is by the end of the series, um, Jesse kind of lost a little bit of that humor that he originally brought to the show. And I I miss old Jesse, and I feel like we're not really going to see. I would like (laughs) to see some humor in this like because breaking bad even whenever it was really fucking dark it had some good dark humor in that's it. that's another good point like, and i don't i don't know how much of that we're gonna <laughs> yeah, see Jesse's... it's totally good he's gonna be like yeah so everybody in my crew is either dead or is a fucking psychopath now but i think okay if vince really wants to please us what he's he, we're gonna be waiting the whole movie and then in the, the third act he's gonna say bitch and we're gonna be like <laughs> and everyone's yeah, gonna everybody will applaud at their yeah. television screen but, but yeah no i think you're you're dead right by the end of breaking bad jesse had his entire soul sucked out of him like he was yeah, he was he, a slave he was a husk of a man like how do you come back from that and just go back to like hey ho it's me like he, it's gonna hey, be a dark bitch. movie it's gonna be insanely dark yeah the the thing uh about this that's kind of weird to me is that it is being made directly just to 
go on AMC or I don't know if AMC plans to release some sort of subscription service, but I know that uh, they also announced that The Walking Dead is going to have a a trilogy of movies starring Andrew Lincoln as Rick Grimes. So he left the show to now come back wow. in three TV movies. Okay, let's let's I know we have a lot to say about this so let's limit it at 15 minutes about this <laughs> these Andrew Lincoln movies what do you <laughs> 15 movies a piece oh, uh the first one's a lot of walking the second one's some faster walking and then the third one may maybe we'll get him back on the I horse I thought that the first one was going to be the the second one would be walking <laughs> and the third one would be just dead good yeah, finally that's what I want to see kill that I motherfucker just, yeah that I I couldn't I couldn't, man. <laughs> I, I couldn't fucking. Part do of it, me, bro. part of me wishes that the Breaking Bad movie would go to theaters, and well, it's kind of kind of weird that it's not going to. Well, from an AMC standpoint, I think it makes sense because if you think about their programming slate, like it peaked so hard, man. Like AMC was like competing with like HBO for a couple of years. Yeah. Which is ins- oh, because Mad Men was yeah. on. Yeah. Mad Men, yeah. Walking Dead, which is the big crowd pleaser, uh, and then fucking Breaking Bad all together, yeah. and. Uh, no man's or what's that show called? Low Winter Sun. Low Winter Sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Low Winter Sun. All those no shows man's they tra- yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? All those shows they tried to give the lead in after Breaking Bad, but yeah, they had s- this lineup, and I think that their programming chief now that The Walking Dead is like reaching its conclusion, I think they're kind of looking at their slate and they're being like, well, should we, should we air like White Christmas? You, you know what they need to do? Bring back Halt and Catch Fire. Oh fuck that! No the way. The three of us. Would be the only people watching. Yeah, what would what what would that even be? Where's the Halt and Catch Fire? See you. <laughs> I want to see a like fever dream two hour movie that's just Scoot. No, give like, me dying. No, give me a Toby Huss prequel. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Um. Yeah, I want to see Lee Pace and Scoot McNary in like a deeply, like strictly sexual relationship. <laughs> I want to. And Toby Huss is in love get, like, with che- Scoot. I want to say if they like reboot Cheers, can we just get Lee Pace and Scoot McNary in that cast? I just want to see Lee Pace <laughs> in the Ted Danson role. Yeah, that works. No, that doesn't. Work. <laughs> no, he's he's too like melancholy. Um, All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's move on. Oh, well, I'll finish my thought really quick. So, yeah, AMC, it makes sense. I'm assuming, I don't know if we'll ever know, but they definitely threw Vince a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And it makes sense because they are clinging to what they had because I don't think, even if they had, when they had Ring Bad, I don't think they were an appealing destination for a lot of, you know, they they only have so much budget and they are only a cable network and they don't have the leadership that FX does to be really groundbreaking. And that's the thing is that FX is at least, even if they haven't really hit critically with a lot of their shows, they get mass appeal shows every single season. Also, I'm I'm interested to see if this ties into Better Call Saul somehow. Because, I mean, honestly, it would be good to reward us faithful uh, Better Call Saul viewers yeah. in this movie somehow. My parents would go nuts. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, it's it's interesting to say the least. Um. And we're all we're all on board. Vince yeah. Vince yeah. Gilligan has earned it, so yeah. he's got our trust. So, uh, more importantly, <laughs> next up on the docket, uh, me me and Hunter, oh God. watched a gem of a movie. Well, you know it's. November first is coming past. That means Halloween movies. Fuck them. I'll yeah. try again next year. Yeah, it's. If cri- I didn't watch them. It's Christmas season. It's Christmas time. And guys. Uh, Netflix has been upping the game with like you know they're competing with this little cottage industry of like super low budget Christmas movies. Um, 
with you know obviously Hallmark Christmas movies. ads for Pillsbury cookies. Exactly. Yeah, they are all ads. They're ads for Range Rovers and, and cookies <laughs> and uh, white uh, supremacy. <laughs> and the the thing is, so Netflix is now they have a bunch of originals that all suck equally because they. I mean, Netflix isn't obsessed with good content they don't have to make these movies good that's the whole model of hallmark is we're gonna make these movies because most of these are produced in canada um and the actors are all people you've never seen before or you saw them 30 years ago on a show like dallas and now they're playing a grandpa um that's literally the case (laughs) in one of these anyway these movies we i mean we did merry Christmas last year it was a big hit everyone wanted to hear what we have to say about other movies in this vein because they're all the same uh well guess what we watched one that turned the genre on its head oh no yeah <laughs> this there is, is the... <laughs> ghost sex yeah this movie is called the spirit of christmas All do right. you get it spirit because he's a ghost so like i said super low budget so from a logistical standpoint the ultimate goal of all these movies is to have essentially nothing happen so you don't have to shoot anything happening <laughs> because that costs money if there's action or even a good performance you have to pay an actor to be good so basically the entire goal of all these is to just get by an hour and a half with nothing happening uh this movie is a little ambitious it is about a a lawyer an ambitious workaholic female lawyer who <laughs> is is only married to her job and has trouble with men it starts off with the dating scene in the beginning is pretty yeah. unbelievable it's they're <laughs> sitting there with two glasses of wine yeah, each of them have they two each glasses. have a red and a white wine at this table <laughs> as like you I, do when like you i said yeah every aspect is as low budget as possible so some set designer just had never been to a nice restaurant before and he was just like <laughs> yeah i guess they just all i don't know they're like uh, i want a booth <laughs> and basically he's he she's with this really nice guy who's her boyfriend and Uh, He's like, yeah, I feel like, you know, you're an amazing person, but I don't bring out that loving side of you. And she is just a full blown sociopath. She's (laughs) like, yeah, no, I just like my job. I don't like you. Uh, Okay, we're broken up. Uh, More more wine, waiter. (laughs) Um, And so what's what's it going to take to get some love out of this woman? What's it going to take for her to realize her place in society, which is not as a workaholic? It is the wife of someone. As that's that's also the ultimate goal of all these movies. It's to make women into wives. It, yeah. it needs to end in a in a K commercial. Having it, it does a lot of the time. <laughs> having a uh, a woman who is uh, career driven is the worst possible thing in these movies. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like oh, it it's, yeah, it's like oh, she's she's gonna take a a quick year off of work to you know pursue find being. a husband. So so she uh her lawyer goal in this movie is to go to this old inn and get it appraised and she gets there and it immediately turns into the shining where this the property like the guy who watches it is like hey uh i gotta go um just so you know there's a ghost here uh his, his name is daniel he's from like the 1800s he just come he's really chill uh he's just <laughs> for for the 12 he doesn't like guests yeah for 12 days a year he just kind of haunts the place that's why we don't have any guests here she's like well appraising this is going to be a nightmare <laughs> um and then she, you know, she quickly meets him. He's a Canadian hunk. Uh, <laughs> Imagine if Pete Wentz was Canadian and not emo. Yeah, that would be oh. this guy. And he's he's dressed like a hipster because he's from the 1800s. Uh, and he, like his hair is like su- It's just like all hipster shit. 
Um, are they? Are there any effects involved in well, trying to make so him that, look? Yeah, that's ghosts. the thing. Oh, that's why this Just is ambitious. There yeah. are three different disappears in this movie. <laughs> Of like phasing through walls or just like disappearing into thin air. Really high budget shit. Three, I looked it up and 95% of the budget all went to those. Yeah, because there's nothing else. The whole thing is in this house and nothing happens. There's nothing. There's flashbacks to the 1800s and those are also in the house. So, <laughs> so it's just her finding out like she's trying to figure out why why are you a ghost why are you here and he's like i do not care about that i am just simply here and i'm going to play the piano and leave me alone okay so while we're talking about that um the woman who plays kate the attorney is jen lily and she is she's fine okay she's yeah. okay that's the other trend with these movies i've watched a few in the past few days because they're they're funnier than anything i've ever seen <laughs> uh the woman is always doing an all right job. The The leading lady is never the problem. And then the man opposite her, there's one or two things critically wrong with him. <laughs> like either it's, you know, he looks pretty good and then he, he starts talking and it's the worst voice you've ever heard. Or like every line read, he's just absolutely blowing it like Cavill style. Like there's something like desperately wrong with these people. That's why they're in these movies. Um, so he also, oh, so the screenwriting is, is pretty uh, luminary. I would say is a good word. <laughs> the, the, cause the, the goal of the writer here is to figure out what people talked like in the 1800s. And what they came up with is uh, Sheldon from the big bang theory. <laughs> that's that's what they think because oh, no. everyone in the 1800s in this they don't have an accent they just use bigger words and they don't have emotions that's all everyone in the 1800s was just like on the spectrum wait <laughs> and smart drew you have to give your log line for this movie oh yeah 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 i i'm gonna i'm gonna get into the business of writing these he's movies. gonna he's been viciously checking zip recruiter yeah I and monster.com to... to see if there's an opening at Hallmark for writing log I'll, lines for I these will, movies. I will move to Vancouver for this. Um, here's, here's the log line. He doesn't believe in love. She doesn't believe in him. <laughs> <laughs> this winter, the spirit of Christmas. Uh, I couldn't even tell you. Beyond that, I couldn't really tell you what happens. It's unbearable. I couldn't recommend it enough. It's on Netflix. <laughs> um, the spirit of Christmas. Um, yeah, no, uh, this is, I will say, I have also seen a number of these Hallmark movies, and this is genuinely about as good as a Hallmark Christmas movie can get. Mm. That being said, it's still a terrible movie. It's great, but though. Oh, my God, it's great. The movie opens with a fucking murder sequence. Like, it's- the... Is there blood? <laughs> you know when you bash somebody's head in and it's like a scraped knee that's about the yeah. amount of blood that they get yeah they used all the effects on the disappearing they didn't have enough money for fake blood Jeez. it was really bad disappears too these are the movies that give me hope as someone who would possibly like to make films because i like i made a really trash like short film this like a few months ago with you guys and my entire goal in making it was to make it as easy to shoot and execute as humanly possible in like two hours yeah that's what these movies are yeah. it's literally that it's like how can we we have you know we're we're allowed to have this in for like like 10 days and like we have like 12 dollars no script yeah it's <laughs> unbelievable and these make gangbusters like it is such an interesting little cottage industry um well, not just not just the money that they make, but like the propaganda that they spread. Too. Yeah, they're they're always selling like pretty luxury car brands. They are always 
uh, selling whites. They're <laughs> that that's yeah, sell those whites. That's dead true. They are. I there's an I read an interesting article once, and it's very true. Uh, because it's about how you know some people want politics out of their TV and movies. Mm-hmm. Every single piece of content is political. It's but if it doesn't have like a political message that's like radical, people don't think it's political. No. If it's just upholding the status quo, that's also a political message. That's what these movies are. These movies are telling you if you are a working woman, you need to get a fucking man. Your job is not enough. You need to decorate your house yeah. full of Christmas decorations. Yeah. Stay home and fucking cook and clean. Yeah. And if you're a man, you need to die tragically <laughs> and for 12 days a year play the piano at and an be inn. be an asshole yeah, he's, with no sense of... Dude, decency. I, it's it's amazing. This um, would have been a great movie for us to do audio commentary for because there's so many like little things in this movie that's just like like we always talk about. They came together. That's probably the movie that we talk about the most. But that movie is just like the greatest movie ever, especially after watching something like this. Yeah, because the boss is just like, if you come back here by Christmas Eve, then I'll give you that corner office spot and a promotion. Yeah, the Dick Ricker <laughs> and account. I'll give you the Dick Ricker account. <laughs> And it's and she has to choose. She's just like, ah, do I put my career, which I've always put ahead of my love, or do I go see this man for his last day on Earth before he disappears into Ghost Town again? What will I do? Yeah. Uh, on that note, speaking of propaganda, at the day after this, I watched Christian Mingle the movie. Okay, so I'm curious because I tried to start this movie, and then there's a guy named, um, I forgot his name, but it's like the worst name that I, the worst fake name that I've ever heard in my life. And there, Donnie DeBona is his name. <laughs> his name is Donnie DeBona. Is this the character or the This is a character. Yeah. Oh, Somebody no. wrote that name in a script. So, so, that, so our main lady sees that in her Christian Mingle profile. No, no. You've gotten a request from DeBona. Yeah, and she reports him. It's mostly like instructions and like FAQs about Christian Mingle. <laughs> so, so this movie... Conversely, from the spirit of Christmas, this is about a workaholic young lady who has trouble <laughs> with men. Um, <laughs> and so to find a man, she gets on ChristianMingle.com, uh, which a was a real website. A real, yeah, a real website. This is a real movie. It's on Netflix. It's unbelievable that this is a movie. And they they had the balls to call it Christian Mingle. So you know that it's, it's a 90-minute commercial. There's no <laughs> pretense of like, oh, the spirit of Christmas. There's no pretending. It is just full on. You start it. You're like, yeah, it's a commercial for Christian Mingle. And then they get on Christian Mingle. And you're like, yeah, it's a commercial for Christian Mingle. And then they meet. And you're like, yeah, they're going to get along because it's Christian Mingle. It's a commercial for Christian Mingle. <laughs> and... Yeah, that's what happens basically. Um, so is God a character? You could—he's a character in every movie, okay. I think. <laughs> so, but what's really impressive about this movie is that it's starring Gretchen Wieners from Mean Girls. Yeah, from oh. Mean Girls, oh. she's a star. Lacey Chabert. Yet again, she's not doing a horrible job. Script is the worst thing I've ever read in my life. Um, the the male lead is a cardboard box of a man. Like he's good looking and nothing else. The it's funny because in any other movie, like a good rom com, this would be the guy she goes on a date with, and she's like, "Man, he's so nice. Why do I hate him? Because he's so boring." But in on ChristianMingle.com, that's exactly who you want. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like that's what the good Christian you, woman wants. You want someone who's gonna impregnate you and yeah. then shut the fuck up. Exactly, someone who's gonna propose after six months. <laughs> Uh, be in the army and <laughs> fucking die. And, yeah, and then kill you and himself when he's forty three. Um, <laughs> so, the, so this, 
movie, uh, yet again, she's not doing a bad job. He's doing a bad job. Script's doing a bad job. Poorly shot. Everything's bad. Um, We're recording this on Veterans Day, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and Veterans Day. I will kneel on the football field for Christian Mingle. (laughs) Yeah, good thing we we defunded the VA because, you know, who needs that when veterans are killing themselves left and right? Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so the whole, here's the crux of the plot of this. She is not a real Christian. She buys Christianity for dummies and stuff because she wants to get into it, especially when she meets this guy because his parents run a mega church. Um, and and her, his mom this whole time is, is talking to him and he's like, she's like, this this girl, she's hiding something, man. Like, she's not a real Christian. She's like slightly brown. I don't like that. Um, <laughs> Vaguely brown. Yeah. We all know brown people can't be Christian. Yeah, no. Not yeah. in America. Not in, the, not in this fucking movie. Dude. You're fucking Muslim they, if you're brown. There's, this is an ad for Christian Mingle, but more than that, it's an ad for Christianity. <laughs> white supremacy. They, yet yeah, again. Yeah. They go to a village in Mexico that looks like it's like from the mayan times <laughs> like they think that's what it's like over there people in teepees it's and shit. it's one step away from teepees and just like <laughs> like they're they're all like wearing like rags and they're in like like adobe fucking huts basically and they're like oh wh- why did god burn down my village senora um <laughs> And like they teach and they're like this is Cozumel. <laughs> this is yeah. Wait, how what does this have to do with their well, the, relationship? This is this is how they bond. They go on this mission trip and they're together and oh, everything's good. They go on a and then fucking mission and then one of the these little shit uh Mexican kids fucking knocks over her luggage and Christianity for dummies falls out. Whoa. <laughs> and the mom the mom discovers it and not she's a like, holy Bible. Yeah, she's like, I oh I told you this bitch was fake. And so he dumps her. <laughs> Because she's not a real Christian. And she goes back to work, and which is, you know, how you live. And she's like, you know, I don't like it here. So she quits her job, becomes like a full-blown, like, insane Christian, moves to this Mexican village for like a full year. Uh, and there's just this montage of her, like, being a teacher at the escuela, which is just called Escuela. <laughs> <laughs> It's just uh, school. What school do you go to? I go to school. Yeah, go to, yeah. <laughs> there's just a big sign, and it's like, and it's again, it's really offensive. It's written on like a plank of wood, oh, no. and it's written with like chalk, <laughs> and it just says Escuela. But then God gets in there and gives them, yeah, real tools. Well, well, this is how she proves herself. And so, like after like a year long montage of her living in Mexico, making no money, having no job, just being a volunteer for this church the 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 guy shows up uh and he's like you know what yeah that's that's enough um and then it's over <laughs> beautiful so uh, i i have a few things one um the reason why i didn't finish this movie is this movie is an hour and 50 minutes long yeah this is a nearly two hour ad for christian mingle spirit of christmas is like an hour and 20 minutes yeah. you're in and you're out as soon as you're just like god damn this movie sucks and it's so long you're only 15 minutes left. At that point, you might as well finish. Right. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Christian Mingle is like almost double that length. It's it was it was Wha- amazing. <laughs> sounds. Um, <laughs> did you watch it in one sitting? Um. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. I was I was doing homework and stuff, but I just I I said this about like Merry Christmas. Sometimes I'm watching some like in the background, and I just had to like shut my yeah. laptop slowly <laughs> and just stare because it was unfucking real. Like. I would call it a parody in if I hadn't seen all the other movies like this, but right. this is just 
it's and it's, we'll we'll talk we'll touch on that theme how as is, well later. Yeah, how yeah. is the music for it? Because music for Hallmark movies that's one of my dream jobs is to write the music for a Hallmark movie. Yeah, one <laughs> either either they have really, really bad mood setting music or it they like okay. I said, the budget's so low they can't afford to have like, you know, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is you. So what they'll do is have that exact melody and notes, except maybe one or two melody notes is different. Mm-hmm. And then the words are like I just want this holiday <laughs> to be here. Um, and they do that like every movie. This isn't like a one-time thing. It, it, there's like the Backstreet Boys in one of these movies, and it's like, Merry Christmas. It is Christmas Day. <laughs> like, it's... I, I think it's more entertaining than probably 90% of the comedies that I've seen, if I'm being honest. Particularly comedy movies. I don't really like most of them. These are more funny. These it's, are hilarious. Yeah. Because they're, they're is... trying. Yeah, they're no, trying. That's, that's what makes it that much better is that these people thought that they were like making a statement. They're like, yes. Or not even a we're statement, going to but increase like. increase the amount of people registering for ChristianMingle.com <laughs> after they see this movie. I did, yeah, I did register Republican after watching Oh, good. It. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> good. Um, so, Rick one other Scott. thing we talked about, I forgot to say it earlier, whenever we were talking about um, how. Uh, there's a moment where, like, <laughs> there's, like, try to establish suspense in the spirit of Christmas, because it's like, ooh, spooky ghosts everywhere, and spoiler, there's a second ghost in the house besides Whoa. Daniel. Oh, yeah, that's um, another, oh. So, but <laughs> I, my, my ultimate dream in my life is I want somebody to hire me for a Hallmark movie, and it's gonna set up all cheery and normal, like, everything, and then it just divulges into fucking hereditary, like, chaos, in yeah. which there's, like, people hailing Satan, and there's, like, mass murder. <laughs> well, that's, that's what, that's I, what I was hoping from Merry Christmas when we saw that, because there was the one <laughs> character from the the dog shelter yeah it's yeah. <laughs> so, the creepiest look i just want i want to make a movie so well, bad that's set up like that and then it just divulges into horribleness well, the thing is if you like those movies genuinely the spirit of christmas is terrifying to you because you are st- so dumb and your senses are you like you hear suspenseful music and you're like i'm yeah, scared you now. see a ghost like and he's just like a guy in the movie he's not even he doesn't look like a ghost or anything he just looks like a dude and he's like hey uh can you leave her can you deliver? I'm, like I'm that is the hereditary for these people okay <laughs> they really think that there's it's, gonna be a ghost next time they go to a resort yeah they just like that's the scariest thing that's imaginable. their dream though that, but, they just want to fuck a ghost that's another fun little detail of the spirit of christmas is like at the end of the movie you find out there are these two other ghosts that this guy know and and th- at the end they're just like yeah we've been here too and you just didn't know and it's been like 130 years <laughs> that they've been in the same house they're like, yeah, we've just been like upstairs. And they're like, Where were you, you know what? You've learned your lesson. You're free to not be a ghost anymore. Oh, Even though you still have the intelligence of a man in the mid 1800s, you're just a human now. That whole plot was so cool. I want to see the sequel he, to The Spirit of Christmas. He's reborn as a human? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I think so, so. Imagine going out into the world. <laughs> As a man in the 1800s, <laughs> honestly, that's horrifying. Honestly, he could because he basically is just a pretentious hipster snob. Literally, that's his whole character. Is like, uh, this lady's like, "Oh, I can get my bartender to make you a cocktail," and he's like, "I highly doubt that your libations would be sufficient for me." <laughs> and and he's and then they have like a little mixology contest, and he's like making drinks yeah. out of mason jars. Still, very they're like, hip. he's like, "Do you want a buttery nipple?" <laughs> It's oh boy, man! I would just show him like 
Lil Peep or something, <laughs> or uh, what was the other guy's name? Lil Pump. There's a. It would there, get really there's racist a point really where, fast. <laughs> <laughs> there's a point where um, they're trying to hide his identity that he's a ghost, and somebody comes over and he's just like, "This is my friend DJ," and he's like, "DJ, what a ludicrous name." Yeah, that is not my name. <laughs> All right, we gotta we gotta move on. But uh, you I can talk watch about- these. We should have just done this for the main review. There's enough content. There, there are like 40 of these on Netflix. We could just do one a week. No other news. No, let's no, no, let's nothing. try to find another one to do a commentary track for. I mean, that'll, deal, be our, that'll be our Christmas gift to our listeners. <laughs> um, so I've been watching a show on Amazon Prime called Homecoming. Have you guys heard of this? No. So this is uh, the new show from Sam Esmail, who ah. created Mr. Robot. Yeah. So this is uh, Mr. Robot is still going. It's going to have one final season. Um, But I think this is going to be his follow up. I haven't finished the season yet, so I don't know if it's going to leave off on, you know, any sort of finality. But I'm pretty sure that it is renewed for a second season. Um, But he directs every single episode and he brings his same, you know, sensibility of just unsettledness from Mm -hmm. mr robot mr robot when you watch that show just something about it from like the way people talk to the cinematography to the writing it just feels different you know it doesn't feel like any other show um and he brings that to to homecoming i i really think that this is one of the most visually inventive shows that i've seen this year and just there's so many details that that sam gets across that Make it a really engaging watch because it's at the same time slow and methodical, but you also get like roped in really easily because the episodes are really short. What's it about? Okay, so it's about don't don't spoil though. Just like quick, it's about uh, Julia Roberts plays okay. a um, I guess kind of like a psychiatrist, a therapist of sorts who works for this agency called Homecoming that is being contracted by the U.S. government to uh, assimilate veterans back into society. Wow, that that show name is probably not good then. It's very misleading. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Uh, And, you know, like most things on Amazon Prime, it just gets lost in the shuffle because their fucking UI is trash. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Um, Terrible. But I... I really recommend this show, guys. It's, good? it's fucking great. How does it compare to Mr. Robot? Um, it might be better just because Julia Roberts is an amazing actress. Mm-hmm. Like she brings so much out of this, and then the ensemble is great too. You've got uh, Bobby Cannavale and um, some Bobby. Yeah, he's absolutely great in it. I I forget the names of the other uh, guys who are in this. Um. There's there's this one guy who is very that guy. His name is Shay Wing Wingham. Shay Wingham. He's been he was in Boardwalk Empire. He's he was in Fargo, the new Fargo, the show, not the movie. Um I don't know if you guys recognize from anything else. He was in Wolf of Wall Street, Silver Linings Playbook. He's just one of those like really solid, consistent, mm-hmm. good character actors. Um but yeah, the the thing about the show that really resonates with me is its ability to tell what seems to be a really like small story where nothing is really happening, where you're just seeing Julia Roberts like talk to some veterans and try to work through some of their PTSD that they're coming back with. Mm-hmm. But there's just this layer of like 
intrigue. Sometimes it's like a little scary just because of the way the show is put together, because of the uh, shot composition and the music and the just some of these like production decisions that it, really get under your skin. Is it a tone poem? It kind of is. It's a mood. It's a mood. <laughs> is, it a, is it a big mood? It's it's a it's a moderate mood. I would say. Is it a chilly vibe? <laughs> <laughs> I I think that what this show what this show does it it just like like I said yeah the the episodes are short you know twenty thirty minutes here but they're still very dramatic so I I like how. Uh, creators are starting to work in this space like we saw with Atlanta and with Barry yeah. where you can have a drama work just as effectively if not more effectively in a 30 minute or less block than an hour uh, Maniac did it too Maniac had like 30 to 40 minute episodes so yeah, yeah. it's kind of like thinking about the cable hour yeah how the, the cable hour is not actually an hour yeah, it's like 42 exactly so it's kind of that same sensibility um but yeah, I was, I just found myself like really into this show and uh, it, it's very slow, but with the episodes being so short, you're just ready to get to the next one because the way each one ends, as soon as those credits start up, you're ready for the, for the next episode. And yeah. the, again, the, the shot composition, there's, um, there's two timelines. So it jumps between like the present and the future and the way the future is communicated it's like it's kind of like the A24 aesthetic of the 4 by 3 yeah. of the square look but it's like even more exaggerated it's like it's almost like a vertical phone look it's not quite Ew. as narrow it's not quite as narrow it's more like it's a little bit wider than that um and at first it is a little jarring but Esmail finds really creative ways to make that look kind of flourish. Uh, just the way the camera moves. There's these long takes. Uh, there's a lot of like bird's eye over the top shots and really intricate like dolly moves and crane moves. Um, so just from a, just from a cinematography standpoint, it's really inventive. And then you add in this sense of like intrigue and suspense. Uh, it gets very Hitchcockian at times. And then the performance is like really, really grounded. Because for long stretches, we're just in a room with Julia Roberts talking to the main guy, the main like uh, veteran. His He's played by Stefan James. Um, and just kind of getting this dynamic going between the two of them. And there's so many layers to it. Um, and then you have Bobby Cannavale as her supervisor. And the way they communicate that is great, too, because it's the split screen look where they're both on uh, like headphones on their phone. But you see both of them. Uh, I just think that this might end up being one of the best shows I've seen this year just because wow. of how uh, just creative it is and. Esmail's style is just something that really resonates with me. I'm a huge fan of Mr. Robot, so I was already going into this with high hopes, and it's really, really delivering. So I've seen pretty much the whole season. Uh, I've seen seven out of ten episodes, so I'm almost there. Mm -hmm. And there's this like dark underbelly. It's slowly revealing itself. Okay. So I'm starting to... It, there are seeds planted in the first couple episodes, but now that I'm almost to the end, I'm seeing that 
not everything is quite as it seems in this Perhaps, facility. It, does it have similarities to sharp objects? Because you used a yeah. lot of these same descriptors. It is actually it is very similar, yeah. but but sharp objects was very kind of erratic with its editing style. That's kind of what sets it apart from most shows is how it just flashes you from the past to the present and yeah. back in in a seamless cut mm -hmm. and the way it plays with like memory and trauma that way this show doesn't really put you in the head of our characters like that like how we're in the head of amy adams in sharp objects uh but it's still very effective with its uh with its tone and its right. mood so okay. i right, really 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 homecoming on netflix you said right? no amazon prime on netflix a a amazon all uh, streaming sites are actually is Netflix. It, what's really so. funny is, like, Amazon Prime's UI is so bad. It's horrible. They're working on it, though. It, they've they've tweaked it. Like, when you say something's on Amazon, I instinctively am like, probably not going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Just because yeah. I hadn't, how bad I hadn't watched is. I hadn't watched anything on Amazon in a long time. Yeah. But I, I really wanted to check this out yeah, just I mean, because of Sam Esmail. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've heard incredible things about the show. I'm maybe I'm just a lazy fuck. It's just like when you say that, I imagine that I have to like walk a another mile to find the remote <laughs> or something. You know, it's like two more clicks Hunt through the internet. It's just looking at an ugly web page. Yeah, <laughs> it's really not that also, bad. Also, the fact that Amazon doesn't get enough uh, along enough with Google to enable a Chromecast option from their app, it's like that's crazy. so frustrating. Oh. I hate it. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah but I will say, I mean, it's on the PS4. So. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that their actual their interface on like consoles and stuff like that, and on smart TVs, oh, yeah. it's the so same. Much, it's the same as the other ones. Well, I mean, yeah, it looks so much better than. But if you're going like on a computer to look at it, then it looks disgusting. Or even it, the phone. Yeah, I've never tried to watch Prime on my phone, but I can imagine. I I would say try to not watch this on a phone it lends itself better to a bigger screen is there anything yeah, you would sense. recommend watching on a phone <laughs> um big mouth uh, <laughs> that's bojack true. yeah bojack yeah. yeah you can watch shows a, that um, aren't really like you can watch cartoons i've been watching phone. the good place on my phone ah. and they're, it, it, they're not really visual things then it's not like a huge yeah. detriment to watch by the way are you guys at all do you guys want to talk good place at all i'm not, not i haven't watched any more yeah. cut up i will say this new season is not really doing Dude, it for me i've i've been thinking and like that show is good and you know watchable and i enjoy it but i want it to be better like even though it's like better than most shows yeah they just like they have Ted fucking dancing. They have an amazing ensemble. They have the best writer's room of almost any show. And so why isn't it the best comedy? I don't think it's the best comedy. I would, there, there are moments where it's brilliant. I mean, I'm waiting because there were moments in season two where I was kind of questioning it. And, and then one. It brings you back in. So yeah. I'm kind of waiting for that yeah. moment. Again, I haven't really caught a year farther ahead yeah. than the rest of us I mean, are. But. Yeah, we always... That is so true. It always... but. It shouldn't lose you in the first place. Like right. season one was a separate thing because there was a huge twist. But like there's shows that you're just on board for all the time. And every episode you know? is yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just because I don't it's just because I was thinking about on paper this show. It's like if you were assembling like a, a team. I've been playing a lot of NBA 2K. Um, <laughs> like this is the perfect team. Like this is like assembling the Warriors and then just getting like 50 wins instead of 60. It's like where's the I don't know. And this new season, it's all been on Earth and spoilers but now that the um 
the characters know basically everything that happened in uh in seasons one and two we're starting to get like i don't know these scenarios that could be done a lot better with that premise Mm. yeah you know with them kind of being aware of of the events and i just i just wish it was better because all we're getting is them going back and rekindling certain relationships like we get jason meeting his father we get tahani uh going back and and hashing things out with um her sister and then we get um Kristen bell's eleanor going back to see her her mother yeah so it's like yeah you know it could be there are moments of dramatic resonance where like we do get these heartfelt moments with these family members but i don't know i just think it could be a little a little stronger couldn't it be better like i feel i almost feel guilty for even saying that because like we're lucky to have such a high concept network sitcom right but sometimes it feels like there are too many moving parts but i mean yeah and that's one of those things i mean where i don't think that's necessarily unfair like i mean there's certain movies that like for example like i had that feeling whenever i saw um annihilation earlier this year where it was like Yes, okay, this is a great movie, but I just feel like it could have been so much better mm-hmm. with the team that was behind it. Yeah. And I feel like didn't that's... Fulfill its it potential. didn't Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that is... You can't necessarily knock it on an individual basis, but you can have that kind of reservation yeah. Yeah. about it. Just like, I feel like this should be a masterpiece, and it's yeah. just not. Once it's hit that level, it, Yeah, it gets it, there, but it's It gets it's those highs, but it's not consistent. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is a lot to ask for. I Yeah, but it's... Yeah. I mean, it, with this with this group behind it, it's not too much to ask okay. for. Because yeah. Mike Schur has hit that mark before. Constant greatness. Yeah, um, there are stretches of The Office and Parks and Rec where every single episode yeah. is just a fucking Yeah, I would say run. seasons two through four of The Office are all cylinders, balls out, uh, 10 out of 10. And... It sucks that that's his watermark, um, but shit, man. Like, part of me thinks he should have a he should have moved to streaming with this show. There, they would have been able to do. They would have been able. This to show like, might have budget. lent itself better to having kind of episode after episode. Just like, oh well, that one episode was kind of a drag. But okay, the next episode starts. Yeah, right and up, so. and it's so plot heavy that it would be easier to remember. You don't. You wouldn't have to have these like the stupid little recaps. Yeah, you would just remember what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh. And there would just be less constraints of tradition and less... He just has that relationship with NBC. Though. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I want him to leave, but I don't think he will because he's their, their guy right now. Um, it, is there a scenario where The Good Place is able to finish its run out on Netflix well, or I, Hulu? I think it, it has to get canceled for that to happen. Yeah, Have like a community kind of thing. Yeah, and I don't know how yeah. it's doing, but like... I I, on, I know that it's like they wrote it into the show. Like they explain it, but I get like slightly pissed off whenever someone says forking in that show <laughs> like i get that it's a joke and they're like oh yeah you can't cuss because we're in heaven but like it's well there it still annoys the fuck out of me it's dwindled down because now they're on earth yeah yeah and i will say this newest episode that just premiered this week it, it, they do this thing where like the very last moment of certain episodes they just make you want to watch the yeah. next one mm-hmm. so there's this scene that that closes out this newest episode where i'm like well holy shit it's gonna I'm 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 still in, you know, like yeah. it's just this reveal that's like it just gets you going like what the hell is going to how is this going to yeah, play that's, out? That's what I'm saying. It's still a good show and it still keeps you. But 
it almost loses you a few too many times for me. Yeah, I want to uh, next week maybe we can uh, in the next week we can catch up on the Good Place and Always Sunny, which just I've been trying up. to marathon yeah. it. Um, by the way, it's fucking great. Yeah, it's so really? fucking even good. with no Dennis or limited well, limited been, Dennis. No, right? he's, he's been in every episode I've seen back, so far. Yeah. I've yeah. heard I've heard the shooting schedule was weird, and a lot of time he wasn't actually there, or they only had him for like an hour or something. Okay. Is throw him in there yeah scene. no I, I was it, just worried about that because he's my favorite character it's been really solid like the they did an episode uh where they redid the the beer drinking challenge on the plane mm. that was uh, my least favorite episode that i've seen well this yeah because we yeah. didn't have our main crew in there but I, I still thought it was great then there was another one where it was like uh time's up for the gang and they go to this seminar uh this like sexual harassment seminar and they fuck shit up and then there was another one that I just saw where uh, Dennis, <laughs> Dennis, uh, remember when he blows up his car at the end of last season? Yeah. Um, yeah. He um, he wants to get a new one. And it's like this whole thing about like what the, the uh, it's a Range Rover, right? Yeah. I think yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. What, what it means to him. <laughs> How important the range is to him and why it that's can't be any other. Well, it can't be any other car. Oh, uh, that's good. Uh, okay. But we got it. We got to catch up because I heard the finale is like yeah. absolutely outstanding. I'm, I mean, I'm gonna. I've been watching through the whole thing again. I'm on season five. Actually. Oh shit! Nice. Uh, on Hulu. Yeah, it's it's made me realize that I think it was at its strongest, kind of in the office area of like two through five. Um, and then after that, it's still a great show, but it's it's extremely self-referential, mm-hmm. where like whole episodes will just mostly be referencing past episodes in a way that if you hadn't seen it, you wouldn't even know. With that said, it's still a really good show. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, obviously in the most recent seasons, it's almost just full-on genre parody half the time. Yeah. Like, an episode by episode, it'll be a different genre every episode, which is really cool. But it becomes more episode-dependent versus yeah. it's, the old show, the old formula it's, they had. Yeah, it's almost, it's more like, it's almost like community now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's fucking with stuff. And that's really cool. I love shows that mess around. The, this newest one, I don't think has been so much about genre parody, but more like uh topical type things except for this newest one about the range rover that one just felt like classic sunny you know like when you what it means that's that it makes me laugh that's well it's it's one of those episodes where like d interacts with a certain character frank interacts with a certain character and then by the end they kind of like tie the 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 different subplots together in the funniest fucking way yeah that's the, that's the the gold of Sunny, I think, is just any episode because you know it's ha- gonna happen, and you, you just don't know how. But the episodes where at the end of the episode, last scene, they are just all end up in some random location together for some reason. There's man, seasons three through five are amazing of that show, and often the term or the phrase gets thrown around. Oh, you couldn't make that today. Uh, that's that's true here yeah. that is very true there are a lot of episodes that like almost made me kind of uncomfortable because they get <laughs> they get real fucked first episode they drop a hard r yeah oh, the, in the pilot of always sunny yeah. they drop a and hard. the n-word right yeah that's what i'm saying oh okay, <laughs> the- okay. yeah i thought you meant uh retarded. oh re- no oh. <laughs> i mean they, there's an episode called d's dating a retarded person <laughs> but yeah they're i mean they go balls out in ways that you could I not thought do you anymore. meant romney <laughs> yeah um, all right, let's take a break, guys. All right, all right. <laughs> we'll be right back with uh, our boys. Bicycle. Bicycle. D- didn't sing that song in the fucking movie. Should have. 
Damn, what a missed opportunity. We'll be back. It's a meme. I'm so fucking grateful for my ex. She got memed. It's the hottest new mem. Mem? I, I haven't even heard it. It's a well, good song. Well, you've seen the memes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's enough. One taught me love. One taught me patience. One taught me pain. Did you guys... Anime, I can't Do you guys want to talk about the... You're a meme one, Mr. Grinch song? By Tyler the Creator. meme one. <laughs> is it out dude i've been listening yeah. to this song a lot <laughs> it's, it's, a it's less than two minutes long so i just put it on and then like and it ends 15, and then you start it again yeah or like 10 minutes later i'll just put it back on it's a great song it's a good song it's like what more could you ask for from a minute 50 something second song what brock campton song is in the credits i think it was boogie is it oh okay yeah good good song choice. pretty sure the grinch shakes his ass to brock campton i mean tyler was in charge of all the music for the grinch so it did, makes sense that there's some brock campton in there did Seems benedict like cumberbatch fan. do motion capture yeah <laughs> as the grinch i um do you think that Tyler, the creator, wishes that he was born like 10 years later so that he could have been in Brockhampton and not Odd Future? <laughs> I can't, I was thinking about that earlier because I feel like Odd Future is over. And I feel like he would have been a better like that. I mean, because Brockhampton's music is better than Odd Future's was. Odd Future had great collective, like great individual parts, but the music itself never really fully yeah. reached its potential. Oldie, Oldie's a great song. No, yeah, I mean, they have good songs. Yeah. But it's not like Brockhampton where they are, like, prolific with, like, actual good albums. But I think like that, that Brockhampton never... I don't think they've ever set out to do what Odd Future was doing. Odd Future, like, they encouraged all their members to do their own shit and then come back and do the collective album. Yeah. Brockhampton's always been just the one band. Yeah, there actually wasn't that much, like, it's Odd like, Future content. It's it was, basically... There was the, the OF tape and the OF tape, too. Yeah, exactly. But mostly they just featured on each other's shit. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like uh, the movie version of Queen is Odd Future, and the real-life Queen is, like, Brockhampton, in that they don't actually break up. And Whoa. that's a lie. Um, <laughs> that Whoa. Brian Singer constructed while having sex with a 13-year-old. Ayo. <laughs> we're back. And we're back. So, right. yeah, we supported a film made by a Hollywood pedo. So, can I be honest? Uh, when the movie ended and it that popped up, directed by Brian Singer, I, I forgot. Like, I was like, what? Yeah. Brian, fuck. Are we okay with that? Is that allowed? Well, he... He left production last year before, like, during Thanksgiving break, and they came back to finish the movie, and he just didn't show up. Yeah. But so they had to hire another person to he, finish the he movie. He still got, like, co like full-on director yeah. credit. Yeah, there's I was a DGA, it, it ends with directed by yeah, Brian Singer. There's a DGA up. rule that says that if you film 90% or more of the film, you have to get credited. 
Well, I mean, I knew he'd be credited. I thought that they were going to split credits between him and the guy who's making... Because the guy who came in to finish it, um, I'm blanking on his name, but it's the guy who's making that Rocket Man movie, uh, the Elton oh. John movie, Dexter Fletcher. He was the one that... That was the guy who came well, in. Well, I mean, that makes yeah. sense, I guess, but... Just do your thing, man. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I had just totally forgotten about that. I would forgotten that this was the movie that he got kicked off of, Um, and I it popped up, and I was like, they, they, I don't, I wouldn't even add. Well, I wouldn't also, even put that at the end of the movie. Aside, <laughs> like, I'll just leave it aside off. from him being a pedophile, he was also just a shitty director. Yeah, like, like people didn't like. Rami Malik hated him. Yeah, that was like a known thing on set was that they used to just like get in screaming matches. Yeah, like each other on set. I mean, before he like ditched the set, he was already just not showing up or exactly. showing showing up late. Yep. Um. So anyway, yeah, let's let's get into it. Bohemian Rhapsody, um, starring Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury. Fred, yeah, Frederick uh, Mercury, singer of Queen. Or Farouk Balsala. Yeah. So this yeah. is yeah, this is basically the story of a young uh, man from India battling desperately with a disorder that gives him huge teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he's from um, not Zimbabwe. It's uh, it's some it's. Coastal Africa? No, 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 no. no. They called him Pocky, but he's not from Pakistan. Yeah, um, I'm blanking us. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, Freddie Mercury is one of the most more interesting stars of our time. Um, Remy Malek is a really good actor, and this is, I think, this is his first like film role because he's only really been. It's his first robot. It's his first big. It's his first lead. Yeah, it's like significant. Um, and. He looks like Freddie Mercury. I mean, you know, it was a, this was the right casting choice. Yeah. This mm-hmm. was the correct choice in that he has the abnormally huge jaw. He has a very striking face, and he has. He, I mean, obviously, he did some some you know body manipulation to get into this role, but he has the same body too. Like they look, they look strikingly similar. Um, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> um, so. And I will say um, that he fucking, I mean, he transforms himself in this role. He's like, the that's best kind part of, of this film. That uh, That's not even like a question. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, whenever you think about the work that Rami Malek has done before, it's always been in very subdued roles. Like, it's very, I mean, look at Mr. Robot. He it's barely like very, talks. Yeah. yeah, but it's very, very, like, subtle role, mm-hmm. where in this, he is over the top as hell, and it works um, perfectly. Yeah. He he does a great job. He he does a really great job. It's a, you know, it's a method role. It's probably an Oscar role. Um, oh, and, he'll definitely be nominated. And he does it. Uh, so, let's get in, like, as far as the movie as a whole goes, quick, quick takes... Uh, the best that thing that I can say is that, like, I can't complain a ton about the movie. I didn't hate it. I didn't, like, I wouldn't even say I disliked it. I just didn't like it, um, personally. You walked I, away from it, like, a little, I little walk, disappointed? Or? I, w- my expectations were super low, honestly. Okay. I, you know, it just, it didn't strike me as a movie that would be good. There was, aside from Brian Singer, which I had totally forgotten about, there was all this noise about how, you know, there's the big what if of, Sasha Baron Cohen was going to star and produce this movie and it was going to be a lot darker, a lot weirder, obviously. Uh, and that got canned because uh, Brian May and like the, the Mercury estate both were like, hell no, you're not going to do that. Um, and they needed their yeah. permission because they, you can't make a queen movie without, without queen songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so post that, what I was expecting was pretty much, you know, a standard jukebox movie. I was expecting a great performance from Remy. Um, I think it delivers on what it promises, and I don't think it does anything beyond that at all. 
Yeah, if that I, makes sense. I um, was thinking a lot about that. What if Sacha Baron Cohen uh, scenario? I think that movie, if it would have gotten made, it would have been like the really like artsy, farsy, artsy, fartsy, like high drama version of this movie where you see, you know, Freddie Mercury like injecting heroin into himself and like yeah, yeah. just create the party would have been like really graphic. Yeah, um, there, yeah, there'd definitely like, be more sex. Exactly, and I, I think that even though me personally, I would have enjoyed that movie more. I don't think it necessarily would be guaranteed to be a better movie. I don't think this. better, but I think more interesting. Exactly, this... it would have been more interesting, and I think that it definitely wouldn't have been as crowd pleasing because I think that what this movie is and what. I can from what I can tell about what the studio and the members of Queen wanted to do, they wanted to make a movie that could appeal to the masses. Yeah, and, and that oh, that Sacha Baron Cohen movie would no way in hell appear to them. Of course, the yeah. And, I mean, and let me tell you, it did. I saw this movie in like a packed theater, and, and they people loved it. fucking loved oh, it. Oh, me too. They me too, loved yeah. it. Well, they yeah, they, it comes pre-built with some of the greatest and most beloved songs of all time exactly. as the soundtrack. And, I mean, there were moments that I got goosebumps, even though I knew I wasn't watching a movie that I even liked that much. But there were just some moments because Queen is, my whole life has been, has meant mm-hmm. a lot to me. It's been, like, a really big, big yeah, deal. The, the music is one of the standout parts of this movie, but the mo- the movie didn't make the the music already existed despite yeah, the movie so of course going into it this, you know the music's gonna be great it, yeah it reminds me a lot of kind of christopher robin like they're taking shit that's already amazing and then just kind of like yeah the rest of the movie doesn't really matter that much right like we have we have the property we have it but at least in the bag at least we get this magnetic performance from yeah rami malik i think it's better than christopher robin um, oh, I think so too. I think that this movie actually, by the end, really worked for me. I I think the first hour is pretty fucking terrible. <laughs> it, it it takes so long to like really get into it because there's no there's not really like a story or characters. Like if you don't know anything about Queen and you just start watching this movie, you're like, uh, what the fuck? Yeah, like what? Nothing. What, they don't set yeah. anything up. So it takes like a solid hour to get to the point where like you're really seeing Freddie Mercury as a character dealing with with conflict and drama and issues and and characters around him. I I think it takes way too long to get to that point. The the point where that happens I think is when he cuts his hair. When we first see him with the mustache and the look I th- around that that mark that halfway point in the movie i think that's when it kind of starts to get in the swing of things after that there's still uh, a few scenes that don't work uh, the, plenty of clunky scenes after that but i gotta admit that like i was i was into it i was definitely into it and, and by the time we get to that final sequence the live aid concert i was i was invested i was all about it the movie itself it's not great it's not really anything you know um what's the word like tr- transcendent or like yeah, yeah. it's not gonna change the landscape of movies or anything yeah. but i had fun i enjoyed it um i might go a step further than both of you guys i think this movie sucks <laughs> i i all, could not stand this movie which feels like a return to form because i've been very positive on movies yeah lately. it's been bothering me and it's, <laughs> don't worry guys i am back um 
this movie made me so angry <laughs> that like first of all well, let's start with the pacing of this movie is absolutely atrocious it's probably the worst pacing in any movie i've seen this year Yeah, it's 20 years it's in two hours well and also okay so the movie begins and it starts out it's bang 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 killer queen all these kind of hits they're doing it they're doing it and i was like i had to think to myself i was like is this movie only 90 minutes because, like, we're just speeding through time like this. And I realized that we were only 30 minutes in, and we still had two hours to go. Um, yeah. I want to – we'll talk more. I guess we're going to have a little bit of a spoiler section, although it's more so spoilers about how they changed the entire story of Queen. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, of differences. It's kind of like, you know, uh, like, if, like, a 13-year-old went on a Wikipedia page and then just made a shit ton of edits and just made – just added in shit that's not true. That's basically what the story of this Which movie is, is. It's kind of fucked up because if you think that the members of Queen wanted to sign off on this project, that it would be accurate to the events that they live through. Well, oh, well you can definitely tell that uh, the members of Queen are, like – producers and they help put this together because we spend way too much time oh, with yeah. the other three members of queen that nobody gives and a the shit theme, about the theme of like well queen we're a bunch just... of outcasts and that's why we're together because none of us are the same and queen isn't just freddie mercury yeah it's um, also us <laughs> yeah um as far as yeah the approval of the band goes it, it i think it does make sense with with things like this it's not like Brian May was the final voice voice. He did have to approve, but he did not have like, you know, God tier capabilities. So basically, you know, they probably went to him and they were like, look at how much screen time Brian May has in a movie. Like you're good, dude. The you actor could, looks good. Too. Yeah. And he yeah. looks like you and he's, he didn't do a horrible job, but it's like, are you fucking happy, Brian? <laughs> like you're in this too much already. Like we, we're going to have to change up the story to make it into an interesting movie because it's all about, it's not all about him, but it's like, there's a good amount of Brian May. Like you can fucking chill, dude. I, I really wanted to be, cause I kind of like whenever I can see a movie and I know the critical reception is negative and I can go into it and be like, you know what? I had fun with this, but I think that this movie Whenever it excels, it's just doing mediocre to fine queen karaoke, and then everything else that the movie tries to accomplish, it fails miserably. Um, um, I think that I talked about this off mic, but I just don't know how you can make a movie like this in a post walk hard world. Because everything, if you watch Walk Hard, you're like, oh, I know the beat by beat of this movie. I can just like tune out for the rest of this. There was a moment. I think that the first 30 minutes, as rushed as it was, was more enjoyable than like the second act of this movie is terrible. It's so goddamn boring and so fucking slow. And it really doesn't have anything to say. Like, Freddie Mercury was a beacon of homosexuality and by his death was a real like he was symbolic for the whole AIDS movement and this movie kind of has a negative stigma towards his homosexuality that was whenever his whole life started to take a turn was whenever he started like having all these big gay parties and all this kind of shit and I kind of found it a little bit insulting hmm. that's interesting that's that's a good take um I'll, I'll go back on like the other side a little bit uh just in terms of the a stuff because one of the big critiques I had heard from like multiple sources real life and I wasn't gonna touch it it will just that it didn't touch it enough it didn't touch the gay stuff enough I don't I don't I think it touched it plenty um like we didn't get like a I don't think that didn't 
yeah, address it. Right. Right. There's plenty um, of it. Then. And as well, as far as the AIDS thing goes, there's some a heavy-handed line in the movie that explains it. But Freddie did not want to be an emblem of AIDS, so it makes sense that they would honor his wishes to but, not make him. But that. I mean, there's a scene in the movie where sh- he goes to his fiance and is like, "I think I'm bisexual," and she's just like, "Freddie, you're gay." And it's yeah. like, yeah, bisexuality isn't a thing. Well, no, it's just that he was gay. <laughs> he had no, but he also, I mean, he had plenty of like women lovers that he had too. It wasn't just dudes. Hmm. Like, it's just everything about this movie is so historically inaccurate that I kind of found it a little bit insulting. I, I didn't see it as much. Uh, it definitely is historically inaccurate, but I didn't see it as much that and more so like just trying to really water everything down to make it very easily digestible for mass audiences like that's really i think what they were trying to do with this movie because to the the aids point like if this movie would have been like fucking dallas buyers club like yeah which i think is what sasha baron cohen's movie more would have been yeah maybe it would have been for a, a a much more interesting take on the on this by the numbers biopic that that we ended up getting um but i just don't know if it, again, if it would have been a better movie, I, I think I would have appreciated that movie more. But what we got here is something that, like, you're you're you can take your mom to see this movie, you can take your grandma to see this movie, yeah. and these are people like people from all walks of life and all different sensibilities and and levels of of liberal and conservative uh, views. They can they can watch this movie and not really be offended. Yeah, and the thing is uh, also about, like, if it's, like, a Dallas Buyers Club-type movie, I mean, like I said, that is not a celebration of a guy who had an extremely long life. It's not that this movie covered it in, a like, a very good way, but the movie ha- could not just be about the AIDS because, as as I said, he didn't want his, his whole thing to be about AIDS. He wanted it to be, hey, I'm, I'm also, like, the biggest star in the world. I have been for, like, 15 years. Isn't that cool? Well, but I think that one of the other problems I have with this movie is you have to think that there's plenty of millennials that are seeing this that didn't really grow up with Queen. Maybe their parents listened to it. But this is now, like, canon in the Queen universe. People are going to think that this is their story. It's like, oh, yeah, Freddie Mercury, you know, the band broke up and he had that solo career, which isn't true. That isn't what happened. What happened was they took a break for a year. They all did their own solo stuff. And then they just came back together. Live Aid wasn't this, like, oh, this is our first performance in three years. Like, that's just completely wrong. He didn't go off on his own in this big dramatic Um, move. Another thing which I heard somebody else point out which bothered me in the movie was that in most other biopics, it depicts um, this kind of – there's this – huge high that you get from being a rock star the partying life and everything else and then eventually there's a come down to it and this and it turns and it devolves into kind of chaos for the main main protagonist in this movie like the partying is the bad thing like there is no real like you never really get like happy satisfying moments from those party scenes it's always just like oh yeah freddy is just covering this up like because of his loneliness or whatever it's just kind of it just bothered me on like every I, every level I and do, i even talked about paul yet i, who I is do the think, worst member of this entire yeah movie. the the boyfriend right yeah. i i do think that that subplot is the closest thing we have to like a real conflict and a real story in this movie because what's the story of this movie queen makes songs and performs them like all of that stuff is really hit or miss like 
the the music scenes are just listening to songs that have already been recorded by queen like they didn't rework them in any way um and we even have a line where they're fucking shit talking uh lip syncing yeah the lip syncing scene scene. killed me and they're like queen doesn't lip sync and then they go on to lip sync because it's actors rami malik doesn't actually sing any of these songs like so that was so stupid why did they include that line though like why did they even put that in there what i'm trying to say here is that the uh the scenes where we see the band create the songs are really sloppy and messy and kind of laughable for the most yeah, part. Yeah, that's okay, so that's yeah. If they wanted to make the movie about that, it should have been good. It should have been like well, passable at least. This is this is where the movie finds its faults is it falls in like you said walk hard style of like almost parody where by the way if if you don't like that buckle up because everyone from the 70s is about to die and we're going to get a movie for all of them i guarantee yeah. <laughs> think about it i'm waiting think for the that. david bowie movie that's going to be coming out soon oh, no. within 5 years there'll be a mccartney one of these there'll be everybody i promise because that's what movies are paul now. mccartney can't die though because um, he's a god that's uh, <laughs> anyway um so yeah it falls into tropes that play very laughable sometimes song creation over and over <laughs> they fuck it up where it's just like oh let's just oh this is fun little- that sounds great yeah, no well the thing about this movie is there's always like aha moments in these kind of music biopics yeah. and there's like 50 of those in this movie and- they're in the middle of a fight and then just somebody starts playing the riff for another one yeah. by the dust and they're like oh wow actually maybe we should be a band together <laughs> we're better together as a band and than we are you know components. like i don't know how stupid this movie thinks people are but you know that that's not how it actually happened (laughs) like that's not how songwriting works that's not how it happened (laughs) and um it's just because this movie is trying to present itself as realistic like it it, but it's so unrealistic yeah the, the thing is in a movie like across the universe that it's totally okay to have it like that because that whole movie is just insane like the whole the whole Mm. style of the movie is like a musical it's not and this is not a musical this was trying to pass itself as like a movie like movie about the event a serious movie and it falls into that trap uh not just song creation it falls into almost parody uh in terms of absolute convenience of the plot in terms of he walks up after their gig and they're like, oh, our singer just quit just now. And he's like, oh, I'm a singer just right here, just now. And that's it. <laughs> he just starts singing at the moment. Oh, my God, Freddie, that's amazing. He's oh, proposing oh. to his he's proposing to his girlfriend. And then the band walks in. They're like, <laughs> we got a record deal. Yeah, it's it's like it's like a 30 minute sitcom where like, you know, they stop talking. And then Kramer walks in or yeah. like every and like the laugh track. Cues yeah, in. just every moment was extremely convenient. In terms, yeah, he he meets that girl the same night that he joins Queen. She's not even a character. It, yeah, and she's not. Well, yeah, that's a whole other thing. But just the absolute convenience of almost every plot point in this movie made it kind of cartoonish at times. In terms of things that surprised me, uh, I wouldn't call it well directed, but it didn't look bad. Like it didn't look. There's like, some good good looking shots. Yeah, there shots. were some there were some great shots, and then there were some bad ones. I think the problem is the. Uh, the director is also in charge of kind of like tone, like scene by scene. Like mm-hmm. the writer can write a tone, but the director has to represent that. That's that's where it went wrong. There are a lot of scenes where I was asking myself, is this funny or sad or happy? Like, what is this yeah. scene? Yeah, and I think that that's why I think that the direction is 
fair at it's all best. over the place. At best, there are some cool shots in there. Like, there's one particular shot where Freddy's getting diagnosed with AIDS, and there's a shot that's the reflection off of his aviators, and you just see kind of his hand, like it's facing towards the doctor, and then you see it kind of go down to his hands and everything. And that's a great and shot. And the sound design in that yeah, scene too. Yeah, it's great. a great shot. But can I can I follow up on that? Yeah. The the moment right after that when he's walking out the doors uh-huh. and he has that moment with the AIDS patient, I keep going back to that moment because there is no clinic that looks like that. There's no clinic <laughs> that looks, looks like, like fucking, heaven. Um... <laughs> like, there's nothing happening. There's no one else in the room. It looks straight up like from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It looks like that where just everything is white and just with sign yeah. that's just like waiting room. Yeah, and it just, it looks like not a real place. It looks like he's just ascending yeah. literally into heaven. But I keep thinking about that because this movie and Rami Malek's performance is it's all in this like level of like heightened reality that is kind of exemplified by that scene where this movie it's trying to be real and it's trying to be grounded but everything about it just isn't yeah at all that's yeah that's kind of that's a big issue there's a tonal clash here where you can tell that there were fights about the direction of the movie because the movie within itself is fighting with itself sometimes but i really liked uh, Rami Malek's uh, approach to his performance in thinking about that because the way he plays Freddie Mercury it's I can't quite put the word on it but he's not like he's not doing like a real person <laughs> like he's like here's okay no I got he's, you I know he's try he is perform his performance is hyper aware of Freddie Mercury's like complete legendary status and the fact that like this guy was not a a normal person yeah um and it does become a better performance and a better character once he becomes i think you're right right when he shaves the head and gets the mustache i think i think it becomes much better here's here's what he's doing the first half of the movie and it's not all his fault there's a really obscure character played by paul Britton on snl like like six years ago stay with me (laughs) his name was cecil and he was a little lord, and he looks like Lord Farquaad, and he, he you know, he has like a, a like a guy with like a, a flute that plays whenever he and he prances around, and everyone else in these scenes, the whole the premise of the comedy of it is like he comes into this dude's house and he's like, oh yeah, this is a uh, this is my daughter's new boyfriend, uh, and and but then they all love him, and he's just like prancing, he's like, I want sweets, who has the sweets, and he's like hiding and shit, and they're like, oh Cecil, we love you, man, and they're like watching football. Um, that's what he's doing. There, the scenes with like the record executives. Yeah, he's doing that. He's doing Cecil. <laughs> he's he's literally like he's just prancing around in all these suits who should not like it at all, or just yeah. like ha, ha, yes, yeah. Uh, shout out to Mike Myers and Littlefinger yeah. from Game of Thrones. <laughs> these guys are like actually trying to put in real performances. You know, they think that they are in an Oscar movie. Okay, so Mike Myers is he <laughs> is he performing? Is he is he putting in a I I hated that. I mean, it's I don't. It's not all his fault that that was like the worst character of all time. Yeah, which also that's not a real person. Yeah, okay, that's so that, not a real person that exists. That's what I want to talk about. So there's, if you haven't seen it, there's this record executive who they they clash with t- two different times, uh, and he has this big name like Ray Foster, and 
there's no reason like i know they the thing is they needed a conflict before the because the conflict of the second and third acts writes itself but in the beginning there needed to be some kind of pushback so they make up this character and there's this like there's even a line where they're like you'll be forever known as the guy who lost queen yeah so i was like oh I looked- like queen will never play on the radio <laughs> yeah and the thing so i looked it up and i was like oh i wonder the the ray foster story and he's not even real <laughs> it's it's it just feels like such an unnecessary scene because clearly Bohemian Rhapsody is one of if not the greatest song ever written probably the best song of the 20th century and then you have this scene where they're just actively trying to tell the band that it's trash yeah. that it's garbage and it's, and it's just, like yo we're going into this movie knowing like how good this is what, like this the is only so the only part of that that I did like was uh how they like it's the performance of the song and then like all of the uh, newspaper like headlines that about Bohemian Rhapsody right when it came out. I thought that was really cool. And they're just like, this is shockingly mediocre. And yeah. It's just yeah. like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 That, that was, was actually that was, that was really good. cool. Yeah. That is that's what I was talking about. Some of the direction is great in this. Like that was awesome. Like that moment. I was like, wow perfect like that is such a smart little thing like a lot of the graphics that they use like even just the little text that pops up yeah st- perfectly stylized looked great midwest usa a lot of great transition shots uh and then just the in-betweens are what killed me um <sighs> and unfortunately the in-betweens are what killed freddie mercury too <laughs> yeah as he says that's, in the movie that's, that's really good yeah <laughs> okay so here's the other parody issue in this uh on the nose foreshadowing dialogue where the issue or, or the shot of the the men's bathroom yeah just men <laughs> i just laughed at that yeah <laughs> so just like ooh, this big trucker guy seems like my first sexual experience he, so, that was probably the dude that fucking gave him aids he started off <laughs> on a wrong right note the, freddie mercury gave like ten thousand men aids yeah. <laughs> no okay so <laughs> um What I'm talking about with this foreshadowing dialogue, there are, I counted probably four total lines where it's just, I wanted to slap the screenwriter because obviously if you're writing this movie, you know what happened, but your characters are not allowed to know because they're not psychics. And there are all these little lines that you almost don't even catch. Like like when he's talking to the press and this one reporter's like, hey, so, uh, you know, you're with a lot of partners, it's been reported. Aren't you scared you're going to contract something? <laughs> like, it's like, man, shut the... It's so, so lazy and lame, and it, I laughed. And the, the other one that really killed me was when they're talking to Ray Foster, uh, professional record executive, and... Definitely a real person. And first of all, that whole scene was pretty bad where Freddie's just prancing around and he puts on an opera record and he's like, this is what it's going to be. <laughs> a night at the opera. Yeah. And then the lawyer's like, yeah, it should. <laughs> the lawyer who would never say that. Um, and Freddie is trying to pitch this record and he's like, we're going to do it, whatever it takes. We'll speak in tongues if we have to. <laughs> and obviously, like the most famous thing in Bohemian Rhapsody is that they have nonsense words in yeah. it. You're not allowed to do that. You are not al- <laughs> you're not allowed to do that as a screenwriter. You're not allowed to make all your characters be like, "Whoa, how do they know that?" Like that's so that's so lame. But okay, so you referenced the uh, press conference scene that they have where the reporter asks him if he's going to contract something. That scene is the worst that is the worst shot scene of the entire movie where they try to make this whole, this whole like drug trip. Like it's all like hazy and whoa. And it's all these people talking at Freddie and he doesn't even get to do what he wants to do. That scene was terribly so, shot. It I looked awful. I would rather watch the scoop McNary, like fucking fever dream that he has 
in his final episode than that shit. Like, well, that looked better as being on AMC television <laughs> than a movie with, like, a fucking $50 million budget did. It's funny because I don't think it looked awful, but it did. Re- it reminded me of the little scene in Halloween where she's looking at the mannequins, where it just keeps switching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you can stop switching between the mannequins and the girl. We get that she's scared at this point. It kept. That's what it reminded me of because it's like, it, they just kept asking questions for, yeah. like, a full minute. And it's like, yeah, he probably doesn't like that. And then they ask another one. He's like, yeah, he probably doesn't like that one either. <laughs> like, probably doesn't like any of these questions. So I, I want to get to the, the the finale of this movie. Um, I don't... Do we even need to do a spoiler section? We've already <sighs> talked at length about yeah, the... There's well, a few things that we can do for spoilers. Okay. Definitely. Do you want to just go ahead and do spoilers now? Because there there Honestly, is specific things with the Paul character that I want to talk about that just made me so angry. All right. Yeah, we, we can get into spoilers. Um if you wanted to rate it before we get into spoilers, I could probably go for like a six, maybe. Um, I would, yeah, I would go for that. Like six, I said, yeah, I, I didn't th- like, I, I really ragged on this because there's a lot to make fun of with this movie. But there, there were plenty of moments where I was like, you know what, that wasn't that was pretty. Me decent. too, me too. There I, were moments that kept me there. I didn't want to like with Christopher Robin. I wanted to walk out. <laughs> Uh, I didn't want to walk out of this because I think I think with that movie there was about forty five minutes where I was like okay fuck this there was usually there there would be about fifteen minutes in this movie at a time where I'd be like this is pretty bad and then they would come back um, I I didn't think it was I wouldn't call it good but I wouldn't call it bad I think that I would rather watch Christopher Robin a hundred times straight than watch this movie again like I said I really could not stand this movie um, the whole middle hour of this movie just sucks it just sucks and it's so fucking boring and slow after we have this fast-paced start with them kind of hitting it off big and then they go and they make bohemian rhapsody and then it's just like oh it's supposed to be the dark times of freddy's life and it's just boring they gloss Um, over so many things like with the parents and uh, yeah yeah there's just so many drop storylines in this movie i give this movie i'm honestly like i'm so far out on this movie i give it like a 3.5 3.5 I really I really this is gonna be my even bottom third of movies of the even year. Rami Malek's performance couldn't even Rami Malek saves us from being like a one out of ten <laughs> I feel like if they would have cast a mediocre actor in this movie I would have walked out I yeah. would have just said hey I'm not coming on the podcast this week because I couldn't finish I wanted to walk out of this movie so and believe me I really wanted to be the person who was on here was just like, I really enjoyed this movie. I just thought it was just a fun time, but it wasn't fun. I w- this is more pandering to audiences than fucking Ready Player One was. Ready Player which One you, is at you least loved. yeah. Ready Player One was <laughs> enjoyable. Like yeah, you can say it's not really original in any way, but neither is this. It tr- whenever yeah. it tries to be original, it's just wrong. There's nothing in the original worst kinds about of it. ways. It's yeah. almost. Yeah. It's almost like a decent comparison to ready Player yeah. one yeah they both, where it's both just like oh i know that song like there was a person who was down the road from me who was singing along to every queen song he's like oh, i know this one uh radio gaga i like this one yeah but um, see that's the thing like it's if karaoke you, if you enjoyed the movie then you're getting something out of it like that that's what they wanted to do with this they wanted to give the people something that's really simple and easy for anyone to enjoy and i think that uh, freddie mercury and queen 
deserved something way way better than this like yeah. the, the status the legendary status of, of that guy in that band they deserved a legendary and movie too. i think that that's one of the reasons why this bothered me so much is if this was about fucking like making up a story about a about some other musician if it was a fucking jackson maine or something like that yeah. like well then it would guy be... from the star is born then it would be more passable but it's like insulting to me that they had one of the greatest bands of all time and this is the product that well they put out. i think i think for me that explains the movie almost like i really don't think it could have been good there are too many voices that have a say in a movie like this there are so many people who are not filmmakers that are allowed to like say no to things and have to sign off on yeah the, the yeah. whole whoever's in charge of mercury's estate there's some lawyer that's allowed to just like veto shit they don't want to see like a sex scene or like him injecting yeah, drugs or queen, anything yeah queen the band was allowed to have a decent amount of pull like there are so many voices that like are not their main intent of a lot of people who made this was not to make a good movie almost you know and then you had all these directorial issues thrown in there like this movie was just doomed to and with that said that's why i didn't hate it because i already knew it was i thought it was gonna yeah. be shit and i thought that it was like passable never gonna see it again uh i'd recommend it to like my parents because they love queen and yeah they exactly i mean general audience like there are people crying after my <laughs> showing like they walk out of here and they're like that was that was amazing that was the best movie i've ever seen yeah and i think that's fine i think that's totally fine it's i think it's i think okay. it's fine if you're a trash person <laughs> There's plenty of you out in the world. I like this about as much as I liked Ready Player One. <laughs> it it really reminds me a lot of it because it just has it just starts and it's just going and you're like could use a little more of uh, some backstory and it's just like it's going and going and then it just is leaning super hard on what it owns instead of what it is. Yeah. Um, it re it it relies on you already having a connection yeah, to the material. The difference is that Ready Player One has is a better all around and then this has a better performance than any of the performances in Ready Player yeah. One. Yeah, and I think, okay. I think Malik's performance is what ultimately saves this for me. Yeah. I think that there is so much to love about what he's doing in this movie that I, I was engaged throughout by his entire performance. And, I, you know, I went to see this on Election Day, and I voted, and a few hours later went to see this movie and I walked out of the theater and I had completely forgotten that it was election day. And I was like, huh, yeah, solid movie. Good, yeah, good like, movie. Boom, good boom, time. Clap. And then, uh -oh. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, I pull out my phone. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, man. Yeah, things yeah, aren't yeah, going well. Um, okay. Here's. <laughs> so. Oh, go oh ahead. sorry. 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 Um, here, here's a take that it's it's not spoiler. It's kind of a tangential take. Um, this might get this performance might get nominated for an oscar the only thing that would stop it from that is the fact that the movie around it isn't good yeah but my take is that uh performances that are of people who were actually real are overrated performances especially in terms of awards because the whole the fallacy of awards is you're you know placing a metric on art right so if you have a per an acting performance that you can metrically grade, like you can watch videos side by side of the real guy and this guy, and you can say, that is 100% good, you can't argue. Like, you watch Gary Ullman being Churchill, and you're like, that is, like, in a literal sense, good, and I can prove it, right? Mm -hmm. That's why they always get nominated, because yeah. you the can comparison. watch... Yeah, you can watch a Philip Seymour Hoffman, or like you know, Joaquin Phoenix, you can watch them go all out for this original character and have a way better performance than Gary Ullman as Churchill, but you can't say, 
you can't compare it to anything almost right. like you can't say that was definitely good because plenty of people will watch it and be like well that sucked even if you didn't like malik's performance you got to give him credit you know yeah and so I, I just think as a whole, these those performances are kind of overrated. I think that's fair because, I mean, Oscars always have a little bit of an erection for biopics. Like, yeah. that's always yeah. kind of their and cup of tea. And it's because you can place an objective metric on how good a performance is. But, they, don't, they don't even have to think. Like, that was... A, a, Oldman was such a lock last year because they didn't even have to think. They were like, yeah, that's amazing. Look at this film side by side. That is definitely amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. there's no doubting whether or not that was amazing. I... I mean, I do agree with you. However, like, I've been very negative on this movie. And I want to say, like, Rami Malek does give, I think, one of the best performances of the year. Like, I really think his performance, it's better than Ryan Gosling's. I think yes, it's, I think it's I better. Agree. I think it might be better than Bradley Cooper's, honestly. Like, yeah. I really, I mean, Bradley Cooper right now is the favorite, but his performance is absolutely it is transcendental in this movie in a yeah. way that nothing it's not, else is. It's not is. better than uh, Ethan Hawke. In Ethan Hawke is still my favorite male performance of yeah. the year, but Good luck I don't. With that Oscar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really counting yeah. on that one. This would be kind of my hope so far in the movies I've it just seen. Sucks like, that really it's, has... it's such a subpar movie. Yeah, yeah. that's the, that's the thing. It's almost like uh, in the NBA. I've been playing a lot of two K. Um, <laughs> a player can't win MVP if their team sucks. Like yeah. that's just kind of a known rule. Yeah, because Darkest Hour wasn't a bad movie. No, yeah. I, you give Darkest the Oscars Hour is actually Gary it's, and it's that's a solid. Yeah, movie. That's, it was a solid movie, and it was a great impressional performance. And there was all the transformation. They're like, oh my god, he sat in a chair every day and let them put yeah. that. Uh, you you just put the dentures in, you're good to go. I I think that the merit of a performance that is basing itself off of literally nothing is a lot more impressive to me. Well, okay, so... With that said, though, I do not want to take away from Malik, and I want him to get nominated. So what do you guys think about the whole argument that's just like, it's the argument of you have to sing to win the Oscars, since now there's there's been this whole comparison Gaga. because... Because Gaga and Bradley Cooper yeah. both actually sing in this. <laughs> they make Rami look so bad in comparison. Well, However, like, the, does mean, it matter? Yeah, because it's, it's a performance. Fre- it's Freddie like, Mercury. He's like, perf- nobody can sing like no, that. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. If they had cast on that merit, uh, A, the voice would never match up because you just can't. And B, it would be some guy whose entire life is centered around trying to sound like Freddie Mercury. Because well, it's so hard to sound so like So I Mercury. recently watched Walk the Line. Which, I mean, Joaquin sings Johnny Cash in that movie. I don't know if you guys remember that. It's that, good. It's good, but there's moments when you're like, I kind of wish that I was just hearing Johnny Cash the, sing these so songs not and the not same, Joaquin. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where I don't think it really... I, I kind of hate that argument that's like, oh, well, this isn't... This fundamentally isn't as good of a performance because you don't sing in it. This is acting. It isn't a... Yeah. It, no. We're not giving out a fucking grand. No, here. that doesn't bother me. And that's why the lip syncing didn't bother me either because they... W- could not replace Freddie Mercury's voice. Like he said in the movie, he was born with four extra teeth. Are you going to find some other guy who was born with four? Well, who's but, also a good actor. But there are scenes where it's like acapella Freddie well, Mercury. So here's the thing. If you get on YouTube, you can find there is a guy who got he get he got pretty popular on Reddit because he he does look like him, and he sounds just like Freddie Mercury. So they probably hired that guy. I would. They hired someone to do an impression. Yeah. Because Remy, no matter what Remy does, like he's not going to sound right. like it. There were probably a, a few things where he's just singing a few notes where it was definitely Remy's voice. But like, so they just kind of mix it yeah, together. It's somehow. like it's like asking Miles Teller to become the best jazz drummer in the world. Like it's he not was. Gonna, you can do as much as yeah, you can. He but... became a really good drummer, but that is not what they're asking. They're asking right. the best in the. So like, he, they had to use a body double. Like I, that didn't bother me at all. There was no other choice that was feasible 
All right, let's let's get to spoilers now for Bohemian Rhapsody. So there's not that much to spoil, but I think the main thing that we want to talk about is this Paul subplot. Okay, yeah. So you, he's Yoko. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. is he is trying to break up the band. I appreciated this subplot because it's the only the closest thing to plot that we have in this movie. I was like for so long I was aching for something. I was like movie give me give me some character, some story, something. Yes. And when this started to kick in, this like friction of this guy, this producer manager a- agent well he started Whatever. as a lover and became a manager so this well guy, he was like a partner to the little finger character right the manager yeah so he yeah, essentially right. is out to ruin freddie mercury's life like that's he is a controlling he's a control monster. Freak. yeah is, so is this real i, I couldn't even find so that there, okay so this Yoko? is a character um however pretty much the majority of his stuff is completely like bullshit um First of all, Queen never broke up. That's not a thing that ever happened, which yeah. is a major subplot in this movie, which is just stupid and contrived. Um, what well, contrives so, Live Aid to be like this? Yeah, he like unbreakup. Coming so back his together. his whole thing with he was a partner of Freddie at a certain point, and um, what how they actually got together was the band didn't thought that he was a bad influence. He was having Freddie partying and stuff. So you know that's parts accurate um however basically what happened was one day they had a party and the place was completely trashed and freddie was just like oh you have to go and he was just like you can't kick me out i have all this information on you blah 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 blackmailed him and then freddie was like i don't care you have to go so the whole part with him doing the tv interview it wasn't on tv it was through print but he did print all of this uh stuff about freddie all this stuff about his life photos Mm -hmm. um actual uh just different stories about his life okay, and so stuff it, that he's so done. It's based on something. But he didn't it's extremely dramatized. Um this was like the most like this is what I'm talking about about the whole second act just dragging for me because it was like, oh wow, so I can literally tell you exactly what's going to happen in this whole thing. He's going to cause the band to break up. They're gonna have friction together in their relationship because he's gonna learn that this guy isn't as genuine as we thought he was. And then they're gonna break up, and then they'll get back together. Yeah, um, it's so just. And then the, by the, the wife, the girlfriend wife, is in there too. And the girlfriend she, wife, <laughs> she she kind of gets a little bit of a of a role in this subplot, and like the whole conflict of Freddie, like being this really lonely guy and and yeah. having only this one person to connect with. Yeah, uh, and I kind of appreciated that, you know, like we kind of are starting to see Freddie Mercury as a as a character and yeah. a story and not just like hey, you this is a guy you know. You know that guy. Yeah. It's like give me some character. Uh, yeah, I kind of I kind of uh, align with you more on this. It, just in that like there needed to be something to make something happen because nothing was happening the most pushback in the whole movie up to that point was ray foster who like was not even pushback he was just like ah you kids like so i and i liked the way it was introduced i liked how he like nefariously leveraged his way in i thought that was that was pretty smart 
I don't think it was good past that point. I don't think it was the like breakup. Was so oh God, it's so bad. <laughs> the but, rain breakup. Yeah, it was yeah. just like Oof. oh my God. Um, so you brought the Ray Foster, and before I forget, I just want to bring it up. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about, well, like it just made me laugh so hard, is when they're like, we have to get experimental, so they drop a bunch of pennies on the drum and then just start hitting the <laughs> drum with that, and then they're like, we need to create a stereo sound, so they pick up a speak a speaker and they swing it back and forth and shit. Maybe they it's, did that shit. But it's so silly. Like, even if that is true, like, come on. That's just so ludicrous and silly that it's Not if it's laughable. true, though. It's is still it, though? ludicrous. And I doubt, with how much of the movie was changed, I kind of well, doubt that that was... I, I honestly buy that shit because that's something they were famous for. Just trying weird Maybe, shit. Maybe, like, the penny... It, the thing is, it looked funny. Like, it, I agree with you there. Like, it was it, a comical gag. Yeah, it looked like, again... They came together yeah. where they're just where they're just fucking around, you know, on set. It it looked a little silly, like they were just like f like throwing shit. It was more methodical than that in real life. Like they were they had ideas. They yeah. weren't just like hey, they're let's like just... we want to create this sound. Yeah. It's not just like hey, we have thirty minutes left in the studio. Let's just start throwing shit together. Yeah. <laughs> like, um. Yeah. So let's let's uh we've we've exhausted our complaints. I feel. Do you like. want to talk about Live Aid though? Because I will okay. say I will say. That is, without a doubt, the highest point of this movie. Oh, it's amazing. And I actually went home, um, and I watched the Queen Live Aid performance. And it's They better. recreated, <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> they recreated, they recreated almost shot for shot, which is very, like, um, just the way that Freddie moves on stage, there's a point whenever he, like, comes and, like, kind of sexually assaults the cameraman, but it's, <laughs> like, that's something that happened on the stage of Live Aid, and everything about it down to the pepsi cups and the beer that's on top of the wow. piano they almost recreate for shot for shot which it's great and it's fun to sing along to three queen songs however that live video exists you can just go on youtube and watch it thank and you it's amazing thank you so, so why why is that in the movie see because yes it was in theory like wow they did it it's the big show and they shot it very well and it looked cool but like it is Three songs long. It's like 15, 20 of, minutes. Of, uh, yeah, just of like a performance that there is, like you said, not just like, not just like there's like a video of it, like one of the most iconic videos of all time, one of the most viewed things ever seen. Like, what a great role to credits that would have been, you know? Just like they get back together, blah, 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 and then it's just like, that that cool shot of Remy's eyes, where his eyes are kind of glowing, yeah. and then it just cuts straight to the sh the video from the eighties right. over credits. Because yeah, just it, it just bothered me. Like I was like, and they spent so much and, money on it. It yeah. looks expensive. I know. And here's well, here's why it was so long. Um, they needed to cram in all the eighties Queen music. Yeah, because because uh, yeah. they had only done one eighties Queen song up to that point. All of it was like the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so they had to use this as their chance. To get in like Radio Gaga and all this stuff uh, from their later career, probably part of some deal they signed to do mm -hmm. that. But it just struck me as like, sh yeah, sure. that Yeah, I don't know. I don't need to really. I could just maybe just one song of the performance if they wanted to recreate it and then end yeah. the movie. But Yeah, because like, you feel like, are they going to? Is this the whole yeah, thing? Yeah, it's you're like, just sitting it's, there it's, like. Exactly. It's like 15 minutes yeah. of that. It's like, are they just going to keep 
<laughs> like they and just they kept, kept cutting to like the new boyfriend and the girlfriend. They're like, "Wow, yes, Freddie's up there." Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so why didn't we spend more time with Jim? That guy, with Jim, <laughs> who's okay. actually a real character, who is the person who kind of saved Freddie's life so, and turned his life around. This, okay, this is leading into our new segment that we're gonna do starting right now. It's called Quick Maths. Uh, you know, play that sound bite. You can add it. Quick math. <laughs> two plus two equals um, film. So, yeah, the goal of this segment is make any movie better by subtracting one scene and adding another scene. So, I'll go first because, not to brag, I came up with a fucking segment. <laughs> um, I would love to get rid of anything involving uh, Mike Myers. No offense to Mike Myers. That character was unnecessary. Those scenes were poorly directed tonally in that you're looking at all these suits executives who should not they you just know in your head they shouldn't be like happy and they are uh take any of that out that's fine even for me take out like a good amount of the live aid performance and insert a Jim fucking Hutton scene it is so weird the only what scene they did. that we have with him in the first all but last 15 minutes in the movie, in the first two hours of the movie, it's just that he's a servant, and then Freddy grabs his ass, and he's like, you look like you need a friend. Yeah. And then they just talk through the night? Yeah, Freddy, Freddy Me Too's him. <laughs> Which and also that... isn't a thing that happened in real life. Yeah, so yeah, he's a servant, and then they chat, and these two actors, like Remy and this guy have the best chemistry of any two characters in the whole movie. Yeah. This guy is an actual guy who had an important role in his real life, and he just leaves. He has this one scene, and he's semi-important to Freddy. And then there's a scene in the middle of the second act where Freddy gets a phone book out. And he's like, yeah, I should find that guy. And then at the end of the movie, he, he's like, oh, hey, it's Jim Hutton. And it's like, well, they to the audience, they had no relationship beyond one night. And now Freddy's choosing to like die with Hutton by his side almost. Yeah. It is so unearned. You could put in... There's so much time in this movie that could have been put into the Hutton thing because that yeah. was such a great. See, I would, I, I would say I'm gonna tweak yours a little bit because okay. I would want to just take out all of the music in this movie, <laughs> take out any performance, maybe li leave in Live Aid okay. and just roll credits over it. First of all, but there are riots already with your take. But right you here. just, you just literally, you <laughs> you're just taking take... out the best aspect of this movie. No, you take out all the music and you just have Jim Hutton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just have a real story with real characters okay. of a man who is uh isolate has isolated himself and is at this level of stardom where he is just so alone and yeah. he makes a connection with this new lover mm -hmm. and it's finally in in his illness and in yeah, his yeah. final days finds true happiness and you know yeah, lives out the end of his life happy the so the masses ha are like outside your door right now first of all if they take <laughs> out the music of a queen movie like everyone would be like yeah don't see it there's but no music dude, like the the music scenes in this movie fucking suck. oh yeah like they, they you so i, I look it, at them mediocre karaoke. i look at him i'm like this was clearly shot on a set like well, yeah. there's no sense of like tangibility or gravity or, or they, like they could have they could have done it better but i think there's room for the music and for the jim hutton <laughs> you know i think there's space or for maybe maybe soundtrack the movie but then don't have them performing it i guess i don't know these yeah, i mean uh. these these movies are greenlit with the contingency that the the music has to be in it 
like <laughs> that's what sells the movie. That's what makes people right. sit in a theater. Right. Exactly. There's that, just it's part of the the ticket. Yeah. Price. If it wasn't karaoke, like that would probably be better. You're right. Yeah. But, like just, that would be impossible to yeah. sell. So I have I have two different things. Uh, one is kind of going against the whole quick math. Um, the whole idea of it about this is how I would order the movie. Um, I would start it with. First of all, this is our segment called PEMDAS. Yeah. <laughs> Ordering the movie differently. I would, well, I, what I would do is I would actually, I would cut out the Paul character almost entirely. Just have Jim established in the Live Aid stuff. I would put Live Aid right as like the big second going into third act big scene and have the entire third act revolve around the end of Freddy's life. And have it end on a pretty melancholy note. That's how I would personally order the movie. If I was going to take stuff out, I would either take out, like, the whole scenes of the band breaking up and Freddie doing his stuff with Paul and Berlin or wherever the fuck he's at. Munich. Uh, Munich. Um, and I would add in, I would, pro- I would also add in more of the Jim Hutton character. Or I would take the parents out because that is the most forgotten subline of this whole thing. Whenever the parents show back up at the end of the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about yeah. those well, guys. The hug is they, nice though. The hug with the dad, I was like, oh. It's so unearned. It's well, yeah, exactly. so, so unearned. That's... And there's this, supposed to be a scene where he's like trying to tell his parents that he's gay, but then he doesn't actually tell his parents he's gay. He just holds Jim's hand. Yeah. It's just, it's I mean, so they, they watch TV stupid. though. They know he's gay. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, well, that's, I don't think you would cut them out. I think that that's just another addition that could be made is another parent scene. There's a lot that could have been just taken take out. Just take the Paul scene out, I, put more stuff with the parents, put more stuff of... I would, But I wouldn't use Live Aid as the closing of this movie. I would use it as a middle act and then have the closing of this movie kind of just about the end of Freddy's life. Yeah, I don't think that... Uh... I mean, I don't think his estate would like that, though. I don't think that they would like Well, you know... Maybe uh, not, but I'm making this movie up by myself. I greenlit it. <laughs> I, I greenlit, I'm producing it myself. Apparently, no. when Sacha Baron Cohen was trying to make this movie uh, and he met with Brian May, Brian May was like, well, yeah, so Freddie dies in the middle of the movie. Yeah, and then it's about Queen. And then the rest of the movie is about Queen carrying on. And then on Adam that. Lambert shows up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, a horrible idea. Um, yeah, I just like, I think there's room for Paul yokoing him again that you may say that was bad, but like in this scenario where we can improve the whole movie. So what if that was good? I think there's room for a Yoko subplot if it's a good subplot. Yeah, exactly. Um, There's room for that. There's room for parents. There's room for Jim Hutton. If you just cut out all the fat, you know, which is the music. Yeah. Cut out all the music. Not all all of it. (laughs) Cut out some of them. There's room for some of the music. Just there's so many scenes that are too long in this. And this, like, you could cut out all that shit and add in everything I'm saying and have a two-hour movie. Then this yeah. movie was over two hours and it didn't need to be. Yeah, and it's mainly over two hours because of Live Aid. Yeah. Like, by the time he gets to Live Aid, it's, uh, like, probably right around the two-hour mark. Mm-hmm. And then it just another almost half hour, you know, 20 minutes or whatever it is. Uh, I, I didn't hate Live Aid. I totally agree that, like... It would never in a million years match the actual performance that you can watch on YouTube right now. But I thought it was well made and I could tell that they like invested a huge chunk of the budget into that sequence. (laughs) Yeah, dude. It looked amazing. It paid off. It almost struck me as like like Brian Singer being like, hey, check this out. Yeah. Yo, look at this shit, bro. (laughs) Pretty good, right? You you forgot about that that other stuff that happened, right? (laughs) 
Because all the other concerts look so fucking bad. Then you get this one that just... That shot where you see the stadium from above and the camera just flies in mm. over the crowd straight onto the stage. Um, yeah, we have so good. We have also not mentioned the other two members of Queen who are just pretty... <laughs> John and Roger. Pretty much just kind of there. Um, and they get way too much screen time. Yeah, they're always... Just being nothing characters. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're not doing much. We have... Uh, first of all, the guy who played Brian May's name is Gwillem. <laughs> G-W. <laughs> Gwillem. Um, so Ben Hardy played Roger. Ben Hardy looks like he should probably be really famous. I think he's probably waiting for his role that gets him famous. Yeah. If you look at his pics, it's like, yeah, that's an alien. I mean, he looks like Amelia Clark if she was a guy. <laughs> this movie takes place over the course of 20 years, and he looks the same. Yeah, the whole there's no movie. age progression um, except for haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, his, he, I think he was horribly miscast as Roger. From what from what we gleaned, Roger was just kind of like a simple guy who just liked his car and his woman. Yeah. And this guy doesn't. <laughs> this guy doesn't look like that. Ben Hardy doesn't look like a simple guy who loves. So that's a miscast. The other guy, uh, what's the other guy's name who played? John. Uh, yeah, the other John. He's played by this guy Aiden. No, that's not it. What's where is this guy? The, the, exactly. His name is okay. Jo yeah, John Deacon. You're right. There's two Johns, but his name is Joseph Mazzello. This guy is, is useless in the movie, yeah. and I I think he did good, but he just didn't do anything. There's a couple shots of him at Live Aid, just on his um, face smiling, and he's he, like oh, having a great time. His, his live performance. I don't. Maybe their basses just sucked at live shows, but <laughs> oh wow, he was doing bad. Um, there. Speaking of like parody moments in this, one of the best ones is like the scene where they're getting back together. Um, first of all, amazing line in that scene. I want to give credit. Just the one line, that best line in the movie is Freddie when he was like, you know, I had all those guys in the studio and, uh, you know, I, I told them to do this and do the drums and the music. And you know what the problem was? They did it. Yeah. That is an awesome line. Yeah. Like that could be that that's toe to toe with any movie. After that, though, he's like, you know what I was missing is the uh, <laughs> I was missing, you know, the pushback from Brian and the funny looks from Joe from John. <laughs> and then it comes to John. He's just giving a funny look because <laughs> that's all he does. The yeah, whole movie Just funny. Looks it's literally they came together in the background. Yeah. He's like, I love how you make a stupid face whenever you don't know what to say. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I don't know. This, all right. this movie's just all over the place. Too. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's wrap it up. I think uh, we've said plenty about Bohemian Rhapsody, which is sure to clean up at next year's Golden Globe Awards. So, yeah. <laughs> Why did you say it like that? It's just that kind of movie. You know, it's the kind of movie that's probably going to win Best Musical or Comedy. I think. Here's something that might... It's not going to beat... I'll tell you right now, it's not going to beat A Star is Born. <laughs> I mean, it better not, dude. Oh, well, huh. I think... No. The, the, the Golden Globes are fucked up. They'll probably nominate A Star is Born as a drama. I, yeah, I think Star is Born will destroy at the Golden Globes. Because, yeah. you know, they try to market themselves as the cool awards yeah. that are populist. Yeah. People and get fucked And that movie is very populist and cool and yeah. good. Bradley Cooper's going to go up, uh, accept his award, and piss his pants. <laughs> <laughs> like he's still method <laughs> man coming coming to this after star is born which i loved was rough yeah to say the least i think yeah i think genuinely every aspect of it was better than this movie i saw i listened to a podcast thing where people were talking about this where they were just like the best part about uh bohemian rhapsody was right before the movie started i saw star is born was playing at the theater next to me so i walked inside <laughs> heard he, heard lady gaga sing i cried and then i walked into bohemian rhapsody it all went downhill from there <laughs> damn all right. right. Well, where can we find you on the interwebs? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox. 
at Hunt Mobley. Whoa, whoa. Um, yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing some more tweets. Um, it was a lot of election stuff. Now it's all over. Yeah. Uh, well, so we're in that, we're in recount to... mode right now. Is that still happening? Yeah, they're recounting oh. like everything. So, so you can see me um, protesting. I might not be here next week. I might be outside of the Capitol Hill. Yeah, um, grab the president by the pussy. Yeah, my favorite people on Twitter are the ones who still give him like ample respect when they're trying to shit on him. Like in his in his replies, if you read it, it'll be like, "Sir, you you are disrespecting the great office of president in this nation, and I think you should you know, reconsider." We're well past that at this point. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like talking shit about the people that are dying in the California. Oh yeah, fire. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you yeah. fucking pussies. Anyway, uh, I'm on Twitter at Drew D I E T Z E N. My new routine is I delete Twitter off my phone, re-download it for like two days, post one fire tweet, and then delete it again. Good. Um, Good. you got to stop all those all those mentions that you're getting in the comments and everything. I'm on. Yeah. Right. I'm on Letterbox at Drew D. Uh, uh you know, don't get Drewed. Ho- don't hold your breath, but. And you can find me at Calderonist and the show at We Bought a Mike on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. So let us know what you thought of Bohemian Rhapsody if you want to email in at WeBoughtAMike at gmail.com. And let us know what you want us to talk about next. There's a lot of stuff coming up this month. I know we got Widows, Creed 2. I still kind of want to check out The Grinch, maybe. I'm going to see The Grinch. I'm probably going to try and see The Grinch and Overlord yeah. this week. Overlord, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I might check that out. I still need to see Mid-90s. Yeah. So, like I said last week, it's piling up, man. It's fucking piling up. So, all right, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You're mean one. You really are See black peel Your power You got turn right to your side You have all the sweetness Of a season of a die